0: Well, hello, John. It's January 2022. Not only is it a new year, it's a new show. It is our hundredth show. One hundred shows that I've had to put up with you. It's amazing that we've made it this long. But uh, we, uh, we talked about uh, last year revamping the show. We have a cool new opening. We have show segments and an outro, and we're going to be talking about that. But uh, it's good to be back on the air with a Flight Safety Detectives episode and to see my buddy. So how are you doing?
2: I'm doing good. It's quite cold up here. Uh, We've had a few days down in the single digits, which means uh, you stay inside. We had 10 inches of snow a few days ago as well. Yeah, we're in the full throngs of winter, and I'm looking forward to escaping have plans to escape the end of this week to Florida for a little bit.
0: Well, good. Yeah, we had some uh, traumatic events out here in Colorado. We had uh, over 100 mile an hour winds, which I got stuck in. And uh, that was quite uh, entertaining. But uh, the real tragedy, of course, was those 100 mile an hour winds blew a wildfire that uh, did a lot of damage here out in Colorado, just in the area where I live. And of course, where my office is. Um, it was devastating because that is a place where um, I do shop and, and with my family, we eat and, and that kind of thing. And it was just, uh, it's, it's just unbelievable what a wildfire can do in a very short period of time. And, and so uh, we've been trying to support the community with, uh, with their issues. And of course, uh, the collection and the president was out here last week. So uh, we're gonna post some pictures of uh, his little entourage. There were four Ospreys along with Marine One and of course his motorcade. So we'll post some of those pictures on our uh, on our website just to show you what uh, I was able to see from the office when he came in because he did land here at the airport where my office is at uh, Rocky Mountain Metropolitan Airport. So. Again, uh, it's, you know, our hearts go out to those folks, and I uh, know that there are a lot of aviators in that community that were affected, especially up here at the airport. One of, uh, one of the guys that works for the airport, unfortunately, lost his entire home, and he's got three young kids, so um, we're going to be supporting him. But other than that, we have a new format, John. I am so excited about this. We talked about it last year, and uh, so, of course, we've uh, revamped our intro, but now we're going to have some show segments that we're going to sprinkle in. Of course, you know, the prominent part of our show is the dissection of accidents and really bringing the backstories to the viewers and the listeners of our podcast, and so that new segment is going to be called The Backstory, Factor Fiction. And so when we dissect the accidents, that's where we're really going to be talking about what wasn't covered, what wasn't developed, was the probable cause or a cause really supported by the facts, conditions, and circumstances. So that is going to be the primary segment for our shows. But we're also coming up with some cool new segments. And, uh, you know, based on viewer and, and listener input, we decided to, uh, to take it one step further. So we got another show segment called Really? Was it worth it? And that particular segment's going to involve talking about accidents, dissecting accidents, where you have these people that think they are Captain Courageous, where they do things in airplanes when it's obvious they shouldn't going beyond their own particular skill level, trying to take an airplane through the mountains in weather conditions that they had no business being in. So those kinds of uh, accidents are going to be dissected in that segment called, Really? Was it worth it? And then, of course, we, we have, have the... out outplays on the ground as well. Oh, absolutely. These, uh, these events, John, you know, I know, um, are going to involve... <laughs> are going to involve accidents where you and I just shake our head and um, and so we're we're going to talk about that and then of course our other segment that we're going to have so you think you're ace of the base that one is going to involve some of the accidents and incidents that you and I have talked about lightheartedly where you have a guy and I just saw another video of a guy trying to hand prop an SR22 He's not in the airplane, doesn't have the brakes set. Of course, he's out there, he hand props the airplane and guess what happens? It starts running all over the ramp and eventually ends up in a hangar. So we're gonna be dissecting those kinds of accidents. The guys who are showing off for their girlfriend, unfortunately, it doesn't normally end well when you do that. So that segment's gonna be covering accidents like that. And then finally, we're going to have I think one of my favorite segments from the Whiskey Tango Foxtrot Files. (laughs) And these are going to be accidents and incidents and just events that take place where you and I are just going to shake our head. There's probably not going to be a lot of dialogue other than to think, what the hell were they thinking? So I'm looking forward to all of those segments and accidents that are going to fill those segments.
2: Yeah, you know, we've been picking up a lot of those just because of people we know. But when we start calling them out, I wonder if we're still going to get all those calls. (laughs) Because they don't want to hear
0: it. Exactly. Well, I'm looking forward to it. I think it'll be not only entertaining, but educational for the listeners and the viewers. And of course, John, based on a lot of our feedback um, that we've gotten, um, we, we tried to tailor the show based on that feedback. And then, of course, as uh, as we go forward through this new year and the accidents that we're going to be dissecting, there are some accidents that you and I have talked about that didn't really hit the, the, the stage as far as the media coverage. At the time, we didn't have a lot of the social media that we have now, um, like the accident involving Senator Paul Wellstone, who was a passenger on a 135 operation um, flying the, the charter company was flying an a100 King air and uh, the NTSB ended up doing an investigation because there was an eight it was eight fatal it involved the senator but there were a lot of backstories there's a lot of history and a lot of issues with the flight crew that the, the NTSB never really incorporated into its probable cause they came up with a very simplistic probable cause that of course was operation based. But I believe that there are uh, uh, more issues and there is more to the story that the board should have developed and actually incorporated into the probable cause statement. so, of course, we're really going to get into, into that accident because there's a, a lot of lessons to be learned there. And then something up uh, up your alley, John, is we're going to update on the Boeing 777, the United 777 that had the catastrophic engine failure and, of course, post-event fire Back in February of 2021, the FAA and the NTSB are still working on that particular incident. But the, the bigger thing here is the focus of the investigation. It's really come down to engineering, not so much operations, but engineering. And, and I think this is where you're really going to shine following this particular event.
2: Yeah, I've been watching it very closely. Of course, Pratt Whitney is virtually in my backyard, and I have a... A lot of friends that work at Pratt Whitney, so that subject uh, comes up often. Uh, so I hear a lot of the the banter between employees of Pratt Whitney, and the, all the mistakes that they see, and and, uh, and and also the good work that they see, in trying to solve the, the puzzle. So it's it, I'm I'm really looking forward to that particular show. That ought to be. A-
0: and, and we're going to be able to dive into uh, more of what the NTSB's engineering department, that is not only their engineering, but of course their metallurgical department, because they're going to have to be looking for the root cause of that particular event. And then, of course, how that's going to interact with the FAA and their engineering group to determine the appropriate fix that Pratt & Whitney is going to have to, uh, to incorporate into that particular airplane or the engine, of course, because those airplanes are still sitting on the ground to this day.
2: Yep. And they want to get them back in the air. You know, crack's very interested in getting them back in the air and the airlines uh, are very interested in getting it. There's not a lot of airplanes. It's only uh, 24 of those airplanes and registered. The Japanese had the biggest fleet with that particular engine on it. And I understand that they've they've just gotten rid of all of those airplanes. Uh, some of them had quite a bit of time on them anyway. So it's a, a very small pool that they need to address, but it still needs to be addressed. So the issues around the, the, uh, the cowling of the engine, which includes the nose of the engine, the nose cowl is the nose cowl contains within it, the containment ring uh, which is supposed to prevent these people from coming out and hitting the airplane. And the second piece of it is the cowling is also uh, supposed to be reasonably airtight so that when they fire the uh, fire bottles to put out a fire that it has a a chance of lasting long enough to suppress the flames and put them out. And of course that didn't happen because the cowling Uh, was disintegrated. So those two big issues are long-term fixes, and uh, there's a big struggle uh, with the engineering department. And that one's a three-way because it involves the the cowling belongs to the manufacturer. So in this case, Boeing owns the cowling issues. Uh, Pratt & Whitney owns the blade issue, but it has to work in conjunction with the containment ring, which is in the cowling. Right. And the FAA owns it all. he yeah. has so got to make sure it all plays together real nice. So it, that's going to be a much more difficult problem to address than, than uh, the, the current discussion about. Yep. And,
0: and that fix has to be appropriate because as you and I talked when that event first happened, had they been out over the ocean, we may have had a whole different outcome with that particular event. So uh, we're, we're very fortunate that if it was going to happen, it happened right after takeoff and the crew was able to get the
2: airplane back on the ground safely. You know, what's interesting between that airplane and the one in Hawaii, the Congo airplane in Hawaii, is the 777 lost its engine and it kept on going. It was like a Timex watch. It just kept on ticking. Uh, but the one in Hawaii lost an engine and he should have been able to come back. So I'm very anxious to see what the, uh, the power plant group within the NTSB comes up with why, uh, he couldn't get back.
0: Yeah, that that's Transair 810 that you're talking about 737 that was taken off out of Honolulu and, uh, the crew lost an engine right after takeoff and was un- un- unable to get the airplane back to the airport. They ended up having to ditch the airplane. Um, again, this is, uh, One of those events where we were kind of critical of the NTSB for waiting so long to recover the airplane uh, off the bottom of the ocean. They finally have recovered the wreckage, they recovered the cockpit voice recorder, and it is my understanding that uh, they have finally read it out. So we're going to be updating everyone on uh, the outcome of that particular event, see what kind of operational issues there may have been. But of course, the engineering issues and the aircraft performance issues given the fact that that is a transport category airplane that is supposed to be able to fly on one engine. So uh, we're going to be talking about that. So those are just some of the things. We've got an entire uh, list of accidents that we're going to be dissecting. And again, it was based on feedback from our listeners and viewers. So John and I are going to try to accommodate that. We're doing it in in a short format, unless we think that uh, more time is warranted and we'll forewarn you of that. That way you'll be able to, uh, to plan your listening or viewing experience. Um, one of the other events that we're gonna be talking about that uh, recently happened is, uh, is an accident that occurred several years ago involving a citation jet with a safety device that was uh, created by a company called Tamrac. Uh, we had the folks, we had Jacob um, on the show, uh, one of the early shows, of the flight safety detectives talking about these active winglets, which is a new technology that they're incorporating not only into business jets, but into business turboprops. They're also talking to the military about putting them on their airplanes, Um, but it's what's called an active winglet. Well, one of the airplanes that was equipped with an active winglet um, was involved in an accident, single pilot operation, pilot got into IMC conditions, lost control of the airplane. The NTSB spent a very long time trying to figure out what caused it. Uh, their engineering and aircraft performance groups were, were very critical in this investigation. And they recently issued a probable cause, um, basically blaming one of the active winglets um, and asymmetrical uh, aerodynamic performance. John and I have looked at that accident. The NTSB has recently received a reconsideration of probable cause, which is a typical part of the investigative process that the board conducts. And uh, it was issued by Tamarack showing that the facts, conditions, and circumstances that the board based its probable cause on are inadequate and improper. And because they've indicted basically this, uh, this winglet system as being the cause of a loss of control, when in fact, their own aircraft performance and engineering group, the facts that they've developed don't support that. So we're going to be dissecting this accident. We're going to be dissecting the information that's been provided to the NTSB by Tamarack to, uh, to talk about whether or not this is truly the, the appropriate and proper
2: probable cause. it's gonna be very interesting to uh, watch how this develops. You know, the board and the press never talk very much about reconsiderations, but you can petition the board to reconsider. And uh, boy, I'll tell you, I once asked, uh, as a board member, I asked staff, how many reconsiderations do they have open? How many do they typically go through in a year? An aging report, essentially on, you know, how long have we had them? How long does it take? And uh, the pushback that I received was was very high. And uh, they finally gave me somewhat of an answer months later, many months, yeah. uh, but I never got a full accounting. And then for a while they had one individual who you know and I know uh, who worked in there uh, in the office for months just doing reconsiderations, cleaning a bunch of the old ones. So the reconsiderations are done by a different set of eyes than the investigator. So if there was something missing or if he had a, 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 a you know, didn't understand the segment like it looks like that, uh, what we have here with the conflict between the engineering department and, and the accident investigator, then the, the, another set of eyes may set that back on the tracks the way it should be. And
0: when I was with the board, um, one of my duties when I was in the office of, uh, of major investigations, um, I did a reconsideration of probable cause on a DC-8 that was uh, being operated by Airborne Express. The airplane had just come out of heavy maintenance. They were on a maintenance test flight. The airplane crashed. The NTSB, um, one of my colleagues, was leading that investigation along with the folks that, uh, from the engineering and the ops departments and that kind of thing. They investigated the accident and came up with a probable cause. Well, of course, uh, that that probable cause was challenged through a reconsideration of probable cause. I was anointed with the duty of following up and and verifying and vetting all the facts, conditions, and circumstances. And I found that the investigation did not reveal all of the pertinent facts, conditions, and circumstances and apply them as they should have been in the probable cause statement, the cause and contributing factors. And I ended up petitioning um, my bosses and the board to, uh, to um, take this reconsideration as valid because there were facts presented that were not originally considered by the board in determining the cause of the accident. And the board ended up changing that probable cause statement. So the process does work as long as the investigators who are receiving this petition really delve into it. And again, you got to filter out the bias. You're looking at your colleagues to see if, in fact, they've actually done their job. And and again, here's where emotion comes in. Here's where relationships come in um, because you're challenging uh, their capabilities or at least the way they've presented this information. And then, of course, you're challenging the board's findings. And, um, and it's going to be real interesting process to see, because I've read the reconsideration as you have, John, on this Tamarack. And I'm telling you, there's a lot of information in there that the board failed to consider and develop.
2: It sure looks like that. We'll have to see how that plays out. Uh, but one of the things that I've picked up in the ocean of emails we've gotten from our listeners is how much they appreciate uh, us going through and explaining it step by step. So I've I've penciled together a format on on uh, some of these accidents to take it specialty by specialty. So we have a good size accident, and we'll talk about air traffic control. What the air traffic control specialist does? Uh, they dispatch usually with the team. You know, so they're on site. They go interview their their peers because they are air traffic controllers. So they'll go and in, interview their peers. And they'll piece together the role of air traffic control in the accident. So just thinking about all of those, the weather specialists, human factors, uh, well, I'm trying to find accidents that really pop that out and, uh, so that we can talk about them. Not necessarily do the entire accident, but do one that is very rich with the subject that we want to talk about.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's uh, you know, with the backstory, people want to understand it a little better because all they see is the front side, the investigators doing their job, and then of course they read the result. But there is a lot that goes into accident investigation and the process of developing all the facts, conditions, and circumstances. And while you know we could do a show that lasted eight hours, John. People don't want to sit and listen for eight hours, so we're going to try and identify those critical nuts and bolts, bring them to you so that you can understand, really, the methodology by which each of these individual investigative groups that works on a major investigation or even even a small general aviation accident, the methodology to develop those key facts that will support not only a probable cause, but safety recommendations that enhance or improve
2: aviation safety. Yes. Yes, and that has been missing in a number of accidents lately as I go back looking at them and the seeing why. You know, I was always frustrated long before I came to the board and even after I was at the board frustrated with the fact that we oftentimes would run the investigation up, we would uncover uh, problems in the maintenance department and we'd take it right to the hangar and that's where we would leave it, at the hangar door. Yeah, it Didn't help drive changes in the process of maintenance because we never, we being the board, they never went in and did the same kind of analysis that they do on pilot actions and the operation accidents, you know, where the pilot uh, essentially is the company accident, right? So we never get there uh, in the maintenance arena, even with big accidents like the American Airlines accident in Chicago where the engine came off where an engineer actually had the maintenance people doing things that they shouldn't have been doing. Mm -hmm. It was mentioned, but they never get into just the recommendations who would have some meat on it. What what does a what does a mechanic do when his boss is telling him to do something that's not in the manual? Yeah. That's
0: one and those are really the key factors that we as investigators have to develop and dig up. And, and sometimes it takes some creativity to get that information because, you know, we get a bunch of feds that go rolling into an operation. It's a very intimidating process. And we may not get all the information that can help improve aviation safety or target those piece and, uh, those people or, or organizations that are fully responsible so that we can make changes and improve safety.
2: Yes. Well, we're going to touch on all of that, you know, yep. Mike- Shop and and I, I I mean we really have a lot of people uh, talking to us about the process. I get phone calls on the process. You know, and we put our emails out there to send us something on email. But there, there's just so many people that listen to us that I know that I, that I've crossed paths with over the years. And as, as old as I am, there's a lot of years, a lot of people. Oh, yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. What is that? Two, three thousand years old now, so. <laughs>
2: i you know, yeah. uh, individual calls. And sometimes yeah. it's interesting. They, I call and get chided. I get, they take exception to what I've said, which is not unusual. My own, my own family takes exception to what I say. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, there's some things that uh, you and I have already bantered about where, you know, you and I have both disagreed. So we're going to be airing that as well because we come from two different perspectives. Um, and, and that's not a bad thing. It, it, but it, it does give the listener and the viewer a different perspective because, you know, while we do sing Kumbaya quite a bit, there are days when we don't sing Kumbaya. And, um, and so, you know, we don't have a problem airing that either. Well, we know that, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to uh, all of our future shows now that we've come up with this, uh, this revamp. Of the uh, of the show, and I know that uh, the viewers and listeners, I think, will find it more entertaining and definitely educational because we're going to be getting into a lot more hard hitting type um, issues and, and that kind of thing. And then, of course, you know, we're going to be updating on the most recent accidents that have occurred between shows. And again, this is one of those times where we had several fatal accidents um, uh, since the last time we were on the air with a new show we had a two fatal baron accident in missouri airplane hit the ground at a very high rate of speed they were in weather at the time that's going to be definitely an interesting accident to watch whether this is an operational issue with the pilot or a mechanical issue or you know a combination of both we're going to be looking at that um, there was another accident. And John, you and I have talked about, and we're going to be really hitting on this. I think this, this is a, a key issue this year. Um, it's always been an issue in the past. But, you know, given the fact that we have coronavirus, and we've touched on that, we've had guests on the show that talk about health. Um, There are a number of health-related accidents and incidents that we both investigated. There was just an event that took place out here, almost in my backyard at one of the local regional airports, where a uh, Pilatus pilot was taxiing out. We had a passenger on board. He felt ill as they were taxiing out, getting onto the runway. It ended up uh, in, in a medical emergency. Fortunately, the pilot hadn't taken off yet. Uh, they were able to get the pilot off the airplane, unfortunately, by the when they got him to the hospital, he died. Um, we're going to be following up on that to see what kind of medical condition that pilot may have had, as well as his age. One of the things that I've looked at in the past with a lot of general aviation accidents are medical issues, whether that's you know uh, because of an older pilot, induced stress, heart attacks, or we have chemical dependencies that have rendered pilots incapacitated, or partially incapacitated, where they weren't able to fulfill their duties as a pilot in command. And then, of course, you have those medical emergencies involving passengers that may have some sort of influence on the way the pilot uh, operates the aircraft. I remember an accident out here, and we're going to dissect it, where we had two pilots on a cargo flight. It was a regional cargo flight. They were flying a Metroliner. Uh, One of the pilots was eating a sandwich as they were uh, taking off and climbing out to, uh, to altitude, ended up choking. And because the other pilot was trying to help the pilot that was choking, they lost control of the airplane and unfortunately the airplane crashed. So we're gonna be talking about all of these things because these are issues going forward that um, I believe, and I know that you, you follow suit with me, John, that not only does it affect pilots, but it can also affect mechanics because again, You have a medical issue going on. You have some sort of uh, not only psychological issue or physical issue, but it could result in an error in their particular
2: operation. Yes, without a doubt, you know, working conditions, medical condition, that's all plays a role in everything we do, you know, distractions, right? The cell phone ringing uh, or buzzing in your pocket when you at the wrong time, you know, why does it always happen? At a critical point in your thinking, something else happens and disrupts it. And you might have been, made a different decision if you didn't have that, that uh, general term, distraction. But whatever it was that caused your attention to divert away for just a second is enough to, to impact upon the decision that you needed to make. And inevitably, they seem to go the wrong way. When you get distracted, it seems like the decision you make is the wrong one. So it's, uh, we're going to talk about that. You know, I, and I'd like to put a request out to everybody. We get a lot of emails from you all and uh, we love it. I go through every one of them, uh, but you know what? You can help us with, with issues of the accidents. If you know of a plane accident that has an issue that maybe wasn't talked about enough or even just has an issue, a human factors issue, the medical issues we just talked about, uh, piloting skills issues. Give us the accident and give us the issue that you think, because as I go through these reports, you know, I'm, I'm going through them rather quickly. It's very easy for me to miss uh, uh, something like that. Mm -hmm.
0: Yep. No, that's, it's a great point, John. And again, people have a, you know, an understanding in one direction that we don't see, or they have, they have a misunderstanding. They may believe something occurred, took place, or was a result of when, in fact, they didn't really understand all the facts, conditions, and circumstances. So, you know, you and I will try and explain all of that to see what the, uh, the bottom line or at least the basis for the conclusions were. And then, of course, uh, there was a, another recent accident where it involved this, an older Cessna 172 that took off out of Whiteman Field in California. Pilot had some sort of engine issue, ended up putting it, the airplane down, um, but because of the location, wasn't a lot of open space. He ended up putting it down on uh, some railroad tracks. Um, He suffered some significant injuries that were uh, incapacitating to the point where he couldn't extricate himself. Fortunately, there were enough people around, including law enforcement. They were able to drag this pilot, cut his his, uh, belt and uh, get him out of the airplane uh, before a speeding train actually struck the uh, the aircraft. And there is video on the internet of this particular event. We're going to be following this for the very reason that in a lot of these older aircraft, John, people have not installed shoulder harnesses. And when I saw the pictures of this pilot where he had a lot of damage to his face, the question is, did he have shoulder harnesses in that airplane that uh, that could have prevented this? Or if he didn't have shoulder harnesses, that's, of course, what resulted in the damage to his face and impossibly led to his incapacitation. You know, should that be mandated? Should older aircraft, where they are applicable, be equipped with
2: shoulder harnesses? Well, my view on that is, is definitely they should have harnesses. Yep. In fact, so, I, I on certain airplanes, if you should, you know, have a full helmet. You know, every time if I happen to go into a military surplus store, and you see all those helmets that they're, they're selling, I'm saying, Jesus, why don't we have more pilots using them to protect them Their uh, the head because yeah. it'll mess up my hair. Yeah, that's you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now I'm I'm wearing my hat, and I wear my hat when I wear my headset. So, no, it it works out. But I agree with you. I mean, we're always looking for ways to protect. So, we're going to be talking about that. Well, I know that we've covered a lot in this particular show, John. I'm excited um, for future shows, and I look forward to uh, our our next show of Flight Safety Detectives. So, uh, given the fact that uh, we now have a young lady who has a great voice who not only introduces you and me, but takes us out of the show. We're going to leave her to, uh, to end the show for us, but uh, it was great to see you this week. I will see you again next week for another episode of flight safety detectives. And I will leave you with a last word, but you don't have to tell what you used to tell in your last words. We have a new
2: ending. We still have a lot of stale pilots out there. Please, if you haven't flown in a while, fly with somebody that either knows your airplane or an instructor just to take the cobwebs off. Do a good pre-planning for your flight. Do a wonderful pre-flight inspection of your airplane. And then please fly safely.
1: To listen or watch more episodes of this show, go to flightsafetydetectives.com, the Flight Safety Detectives YouTube channel, or your favorite place to listen to podcasts. To contact John and Greg about the show, send them an email at flightsafetydetectives at gmail.com. And remember, for aviation insurance needs, contact Avemco Insurance at avemco.com, or give them a call at 888 888- Mention Flight Safety Detectives and receive a 5% discount. Thanks for listening to the Flight Safety Detectives and remember to always fly safe.